This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. Okay. Um, I had another uh, article that's been, you know, uh, had some buzz on Neo Twitter. Um, prenatal intravenous magnesium at 30 to 34 weeks gestation and neurodevelopmental outcomes in offsprings. This is the Magenta trial. Um, the lead author, Carolyn Crowther, um, for the Magenta study group. So the question really was, does administration of magnesium sulfate at 30 to 34 weeks gestation to pregnant people reduce death or cerebral palsy at two years? This was a multi-center. The famous, uh, the famous mag for neuroprotection, basically. That's right. That's right. So this is like, this is literally putting that on in the back on the... Uh back on the on the center of the of the table like we're we're wondering if mag for neuroprotection actually does provide neuroprotection yeah of note we'll talk about the dose right um mm -hmm. so we'll get there but yes okay <laughs> um this was a multi-center randomized clinical trial it was conducted at 24 australian and new zealand maternity hospitals um and it was uh double blind so participants staff investigators and assessors of the children at two years were blinded to the treatment allocation um, pregnant individuals were included if they were at risk of preterm birth between 30 and 34 weeks, uh, that they were experiencing a singleton or a twin pregnancy. Um, the birth was planned or definitively expected within 24 hours of recruitment, and there were no contraindications. Contra um, these are maternal respiratory depression, hypotension, absent patella reflexes, kidney failure, myasthenia gravis. Um, they were also um, ineligible if they were getting uh, magnesium for the treatment of preeclampsia. Um, eligible individuals were randomly assigned to the MAG group or to the placebo group using a telephone randomization service, and they did a number of stratifications um, by hospital site, by gestational age, so they did 30 to 31 weeks and 32 to 33 weeks, and by number of fetuses, singletons, or twin pregnancies. And so the intervention was magnesium sulfate, a four-gram bolus, or placebo, administered intravenously for 30 minutes. Um, and otherwise, the care was per protocol at the individual site. Um, but of note, this did not include a, um, what do they call it? This was like a load, the loading dose, but there was no uh, continuous uh, infusion of mag sulfate. Maintenance? Maintenance. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that's, that's the word. Oh, God. I have no excuse. The I'm the one post call. The words did not come to me. <laughs> okay. So that was the intervention. Um, they obtained any clinical data from the hospital records. And then surviving children were assessed by a pediatrician um, using the third edition of the Bailey scales. And again, I told you they were looking specifically for cerebral palsy. Um, and so a diagnosis of cerebral palsy required loss of motor function and abnormalities of muscle tone and power uh, with gross motor dysfunction classified. Uh, using the gross motor function classification system. They also used caregiver surveys for a kind of more comprehensive evaluation. So the primary outcome uh, was death, which was defined as stillbirth, death of a live-born infant before hospital discharge, or death after hospital discharge but before two years corrected age, or cerebral palsy. So death or cerebral palsy was the primary outcome. They had a 
boatload of secondary outcomes. <laughs> there were 36 secondary outcomes that assessed the health of the pregnant individual, the infant, and the child. Uh, the secondary outcomes for the infant during the birth hospitalization included a composite serious health outcome score that was counted as present if any of the following occurred, stillbirth, death of a live-born infant uh, before hospital discharge, severe respiratory distress syndrome, severe IVH, grades three and four, chronic lung disease, by definition, dependent on ox oxygen at 36 weeks postmenstrual age or 28 days after birth if born after 32 weeks, proven neck, um, so diagnosis at surgery or postmortem or radiographic diagnosis with a clinical history plus pneumatosis, portal venous gas, or persistently dilated loop, severe retinopathy prematurity or cystic PVL. And then, so that was the composite score. They also evaluated the comorbidities independently. So I think those are of the most interest to our listeners, but they also had a variety of secondary outcomes for two years of age for the child and a variety of secondary outcomes for the pregnant participants. Um, so between 2000, January 2012 and February 2018, um, they randomized and enrolled 1,433 pregnant people, and uh, that included 1,679 infants alive at entry. There uh, were 51% or 858 infants randomized to mag sulfate and 704 or 50%, sorry, 704 individuals, mothers, 49% or 821 infants randomized to placebo. Uh, the mean age of the participants was 30.6 years. Um, and they give us some other uh, demographic data. But overall, the two groups were similar at trial entry. Almost 95% of participants in each group received the allocated treatment. Of the 1,679 infants at randomization, 40% were born at 30 weeks gestation to less than 32 weeks gestation. 55% were born at 32 weeks gestation to less than 34 weeks gestation. And 5% were born at 34 weeks gestation or later. There are 1,660 children eligible for the two-year follow-up. And in general, um, for the infants at the two-year follow-up, the baseline characteristics were similar at trial entry um, for that follow-up population. So for the primary outcome of death or cerebral palsy at two years, this occurred in 3.3% of children in the magnesium group and 2.7% of children in the placebo group, um, a risk difference of 0.61 or adjusted risk ratio of 1.19 and not statistically significant. In the sensitivity analysis, using data from all the sources, the pediatrician, uh, the, the psychologist, the caregiver questionnaires, and the caregiver, it included one additional case of cerebral palsy um, reported by the parents. Um, but overall, uh, this did not change uh, the statistical significance. There were 12 deaths by two years corrected age in the magnesium group versus seven deaths in the placebo group. Um, this is a risk difference of 0.48 or risk uh, adjusted um, risk ratio of 1.5. There was no between group differences in the proportion of children who had cerebral palsy, 1.6% in the magnesium group versus 1.7% in the placebo group. For the other childhood outcomes at two years corrected age, there were no significant between group differences for death or, neuro or any neurologic disability, 
death or any major neurologic disability, any of the individual neurosensory impairments, or the distribution of the severity of neurosensory disability. And then they looked at them stratified. So for children born at 30 to 32 weeks gestation, the rate of death or cerebral palsy at two years was 3.3%. Um, the 32 to 34% uh, was uh, 3.4% and 0.8% in the greater than 34-week groups. Interestingly, children exposed to magnesium were more likely to have overall behavioral scores within the clinical problem range, 10%, compared with children in the placebo group, 6%. Um, At two years of, sorry, and this was statistically significant. At two years, there were no significant between group differences for body size, blood pressure, use of health services, or respiratory morbidity. For the secondary outcomes occurring during the birth hospitalization, neonatal respiratory distress syndrome was less likely in the magnesium group, 34% um, versus 41% in the placebo group, uh, adjusted risk ratio of 0.85, and this was statistically significant. The number needed to treat was 21 Chronic lung disease was also uh, less common in those uh, babies in the magnesium group, 5.6% versus 8.2%, adjusted risk ratio of 0.69. The number needed to treat was 37. There were no significant between group differences in any of the other secondary outcomes. There were no serious cardiovascular respiratory adverse outcomes from the study infusion, Um but there were some adverse events that we frequently see in mommies getting uh, magnesium. And they were obviously more likely in the magnesium group compared with the placebo group. And magnesium was more likely to be discontinued than the placebo. Fewer individuals in the magnesium group had a cesarean delivery. Um, No between group differences were seen in the indications for the cesarean delivery. There were no between group differences in the risk of postpartum hemorrhage or need for a blood transfusion. However, more participants in the magnesium group had a major postpartum hemorrhage. So overall, the study takeaways um, were that administration of IV magnesium sulfate prior to preterm birth at the 30 to 34 weeks gestation did not improve child survival free of cerebral palsy at two years. Sorry, he was muted. Um, what I mean, I think this sort of shifts the the criteria. No, what what, what do you think about that? Uh, you mean what would be our th- what is our threshold for? Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it moves the needle towards using this in um, before thirty weeks. Yeah, it's interesting, right? We saw something similar with with. Uh, beta-methasone, right? Mm. Uh, the antenatal steroids in this kind of closer to late preterm group. So. Because you also want to believe that um, we, we, we have come a long way when it comes to um, the care of these newborns where hopefully, unless there's something else going on, cerebral palsy in a baby that's born at like 32 weeks, you, you hope that our rates are now much lower. Um, and so maybe that makes, that makes sense overall. No, I mean, that's, that's the, yeah. Yeah. That's the goal, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we, we will do whatever we can to try to make that happen. It's, it seems way easier to give things prenatally than postnatally or to make decisions about those things. But I think these are important studies. Um, 
I, the only thing of note again is that you know the the current regimen for fetal neuroprotection is the loading dose of four grams um, followed by one gram per hour maintenance dose. So you know there's some debate in the community if we would we see something differently if we we had the different regimen, right? But. Thank you for listening to the Incubator Podcast. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Instagram or Twitter at nikupodcast or through our website, at www.the-incubator.org. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.